Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Oh, man. Only a week and a half in. It feels like it's two weeks in, which is, I know, off by three to four days. But still, it feels like we're a lot further than the last time, but we're not. Everything's a blur. Everything post all the COVID lockdown stuff, all those type of holidays. Mm -hmm. And then this holiday being the one that was slightly back to normal. I worked the church shift at the Mayfair on Sunday for our church rental. And that was actually nice because it was getting back to the routine a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because boy, over the holidays, I'd lost all sense of time and space. Yeah. And even (laughs) still it's well, and also like Today is the, and nobody's going to feel bad about this, but today is the last day of my staycation oh, no. holiday. Yeah, so we've had 11 days off in a row or 13 or I don't know, some kind of combination. And it was mostly just to plan around like the first, I worked the 30th, a half day kind of thing. And then we were off the 31st to now to, I guess, January 10th, if that's what you tell me the date is today. You're not going to remember how to do anything. I know. Well, that's kind of, that's the issue now. And the, and the funny thing is now we're at, so we're doing like Monday, Tuesday, and then we go to work Wednesday to Friday, which at the time you're like, oh, only three days. But now you're like, oh, three days. <laughs> like it's, and you know, you just got to make it to Friday. So we're, yesterday I was like, so do we take tomorrow off or do we take Friday off to make it a three-day weekend? And Because like, I'm already scheming on how to lengthen this time off because I'm just not ready to go back to work yet. But you're talking about you've been working steadily, so you know you don't have to feel bad for me. Yeah, I had to work for Andrew when he was sick, which ruined my master plan of having a little bit of a complete no Mayfair holiday, yeah. which is impossible. No, and you'll never get that. Never. It's, and it's everybody. It's like, I'm sure I have a friend who owns a cupcake place here in town called Thimble Cakes. And I'm sure it's the same for her. I'm sure it's the same for our Targ friends and Black Squirrel books across mm. the street. It's not much of a complaint because I love it, but it is just, you're always on. Man, she's right up from all the construction on Barrymore's. Are they fixing it? Well, oddly enough, I mean, yes. Well, okay. Seemingly, yes. I want to say just yes with no questions, but as you and I know, and yeah. maybe other people might, but maybe not, it's just been a back and forth with the owner and the current tenant, and you should pay this, blah, 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 all that back and forth. I don't know the, all the ins and outs, but just that it's been a battle. Like, I, I know the landlord put new locks on the thing, wow, and then the cops are involved and all that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the long and short of it is, like, that is an awesome venue. It's a very cool building, and it really deserves a facelift. It's so cool. Like, right in the middle, well, it's not in the middle of Bank Street at all, but, you know, like, it's like in that prime area and so like now it's got tarps on it but the interesting thing is i could be misspeaking but i'm pretty sure emily like my wife's company is working on that oh i think they're doing the historical restoration of it i might be totally off base and i might just hope she said that but i'm pretty sure she said that and like because she's working on parliament right now but i'm like which never ends yeah no and that's gonna be like well actually she's almost done with that her portion but it's gonna be long it might be another 10 years if i don't think, lucky <laughs> i can't imagine a time in my life where i don't stroll by parliament hill and there's not scaffolding on some piece yeah. of the building it's usually one of the th- it just I was keeps say going. three buildings is there more than three buildings there's at least three I don't like know. there's stories about <laughs> i think it's the brooklyn bridge or san francisco one of those big oh, yeah. bridges where it's kind of a neat story but there's a family company a family dynasty company that repairs and paints the bridge and essentially, whichever is north to south, east to west, whatever, they start at one end and go to the other 
And by the time they get to the other end, there's enough repairs and paint jobs to do that they just go back. And so it's a job. It's a full-time, lifetime job because there's always something to do. And that's how I feel about Parliament Hill when I see it. I'm like, you're never going to finish this. But Barrymore's for out-of-towners is this legendary club that looks amazing but has just been beat down. Yeah, dilapidated with a capital D. But I've read about it in a Ramones biography and the Johnny Cash movie. At one point it says... Ottawa, Ontario, some year, and that was Barrymore's. Wow. So it's this legendary place that really sadly for the last number of years, for a while just went to doing like 80s, 90s nights, and then went to doing nothing or almost yeah. nothing. The long and short of it is, is a kind of more clubby guy took over, and right. then he just basically stopped booking live bands and then blamed it on the bands. So they were basically like, okay, I think they took out the PA at some point too. So it was like, you I, couldn't yes, even yes. easily have a band just show up. You know, you had to bring your own stuff. And so I remember, it's sort of funny, like, because I guess the owner is a friend of a friend, like, or like a mutual friend, you know? So sometimes I'll hear little stories here and there and stuff, but it just kind of makes me sad because I loved Barrymore's, you know? And now, and I'm just, nothing against like 90s nights and all that stuff. Like, I know there's people who love that stuff. Like, it's not for me, you know? I'm right. not an 80s night, 90s night. I don't like those things. I saw the Eels there, like a long time back they were so good anyways this isn't about shows eric's seen in the past but the point of it is basically it was cheaper for him to just book a dj and so he's just like i pay one guy he comes in packs the place i make thousands or whatever you know i don't even know you know and so i get that but then at the same time it's just it feels kind of like a slap in the face to people who want to see bands you could do both like you know you can do both do dj twice a week and bands twice yeah. a week or something yeah like or one moderate to big act per month or every two weeks i don't know you know but and like, i'm not sure what their capacity is or was but all kinds of great bands come to house of targ mm-hmm. but it's a small venue for sure and then we have the hockey stadium which is twenty thousand seats so that's when lady gaga or bruce springsteen come to town yeah and there's a few other medium small size venues in town but barrymore's was just a little bit bigger And there's a number of bands who I think pass over Ottawa because they're too big for the small places and too small for the hockey stadium. Yeah. So this would be this perfect mid-sized place right downtown Ottawa. Yeah. That's legendary. So yeah, it would be, oh, it'd be so nice if it continues on and does not just turn into condos or something. Yeah, because you got the Bronson Center, but it's like kind of a tricky spot. It's accessible, but it's a, a bit of an odd area, you know? So I, I was in Toronto visiting my best friend, and his cousin has been a drummer forever. And I guess he was a goalie briefly before that. What? I don't even know. Weird <laughs> life. But anyways, so it turns out he, he's currently the drummer for Dwayne Gretzky, which I don't know much about, but they're a popular... I don't want to say covers band. Like, I mean, they do covers, but they don't just do cover. Like, they inhabit them, and, and it's like they're a party band, basically, is what I'm told. I don't know a lot about them, but they're apparently very popular to the point where they just sold out Massey Hall in like minutes. Oh, wow. And now they're playing Drake's Club, which is bigger than Massey Hall and sold that out as well. And I know I bring them up because I know I had seen that they were playing Lansdowne last year. God, I don't know. Some I think it was last year. But anyways, like talking to him, it was cool because I was like, oh, you're because he was just sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, been touring with Dwayne. And I was like, it's not just some guy. Right. I was yeah. like in my head, I was like, huh? <laughs> And so I was like, oh, that's so cool. But he was mentioning that they just played the Bronson Center, which it's funny because I was sort of like, if you're playing Lansdowne, I would have thought maybe Bronson is a bit of a step down size wise. But I honestly have no idea. But it was like kind of fascinating to hear those perspectives from a guy you've known for 20 years who's just like a guy to you. But to other people, he's like 
an old drummer in one of my bands. This guy is his hero. He's also a drummer. And I've just mentioned his name one time. And he's like, you know, Mike or whatever. And I was like, to me, he's just some guy. But he was like, oh my God, I've been following him for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it was. And it's so funny. We've kind of talked about that before when you meet celebrities or actors or whoever, when people come here and stuff. And for us, we're just like, oh, hey, Greg, you know, or hey, whatever, you know. Yeah. And other people are like, oh, oh my God. And like, they just lose their mind. You're just sort of like, oh yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> I've been in the presence of... Greg Sestero, lovely guy. We hope to have him back here soon, but his schedule's wacky. Right. Where you're just chatting. You're chatting with another human being and small talking and how was your flight and, oh, what are you working on now? And, yeah. And he's asking questions about how's things around the cinema and seeing another person just in your, <laughs> outside your vision. <laughs> Cowering. Just kind of, and wanting to jump in. Oh my God. And not doing anything wrong, but you just kind of see him and it's weird because it's just this like, this ghost just outside of the conversation. <laughs> and so you're saying like, oh yeah, things are good. Uh, yeah, how was the flight? That's cool. Oh, I saw on your Instagram that you went to the stately Wayne Manor over in- Oh, right, yeah. Talking yeah. about nerd stuff and- and you see that other person and you just want to say like, hey, dude, it's okay. Greg's a really nice guy. And you know, and, they've been picturing this for weeks, months, yeah, probably. Yeah, they want their autograph and they're so <laughs> excited. And what I do like about the Mayfair and being behind the scenes a bit on comic book stuff, and I forget about that some of my comic book pals where I'll see them make an Instagram post or whatever. And I'm like, oh, you got 75,000 people to like that. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're nerd famous. Yeah, and uh, hilariously enough, the drummer's wife is an actress, and oh, she's wow. on, like, season seven of this. She's a star of this show, which is essentially, like, Turner and Hooch-style show with a dog and a cop, I think. And I can't even remember the name of it right now. It's not Turner and Hooch, uh, is it? It's not, it's not. Like be... there is a Turner and Hooch uh, reboot. I think it's called Hudson and... Hudson and Rex. Hooch. Hudson and Rex, that's what it's called. <laughs> Hudson and Hawk, I was going to say. I was like, she's on Hudson Hawk. I think that's what it is. So, but like, I guess that's a popular show and they film it in St. John's. So they kind of go back and forth between there and Toronto. And it's funny to me because like, again, like both of them, they're just super cool people that I've known for a long time who are direct cousins of my best friend. But they're also very successful at two different fields I really wanted to be part of at different times in my life. So it's kind of comical to just, you know, live vicariously through that. Buddy's band just got booked by RBC to play a cruise, like a private cruise for like a thank you to their people or whatever. I don't even know, you know. And so they play twice in a week. And besides that, they're just on this cruise. And he's like, oh, I've never been on a cruise. And so like, they're, it's just like such a wacky life. I don't envy, to be honest, because like, that's a lot of work. Oh, like, yeah. It's just, yeah. they don't even tour like crazy U2 tours, you know, stuff like that. But enough that, you know, you're going to Mexico, you're going to wherever, you know. And it's just, for me, and I mean, they have two young kids too. So it's like, even more so. Like I was saying to him, I was like, at least you're making cool memories and you guys are having fun for now kind of thing. But it's like, wow, I don't think I want that life. <laughs> no, and you hear stories. I remember chatting with some folks when I was working for Blues Fest and it's that cliche story, but it's true where you wake up in a hotel and you're like, am I in Ottawa or Montreal or Buffalo? I can't remember where I am. The stepfather, like, who am I now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it is always that grass is greener thing where it is nice, though, the more you meet people. And I really do think kind of the podcast era has really helped with that because more and more of us listen to podcasts of our favorite comedians comic book people filmmakers and you hear them talk and you're like yeah everyone's just a person mm -hmm. sounds very hokey but yeah everyone's just a person and you hear stuff of a comedian who you really like who is making light of yeah i gotta get a job because i haven't worked in six months mm -hmm. and so i gotta go book some dates or i was going to do a movie and it got canceled and you realize that very few people are super rich set for life famous yeah 
everybody else is out there working. And when you see somebody you like pop up doing a commercial or a popular film or something more mainstream, it's because it's a good paycheck. And they're like, oh, this will keep me floating for a while. Yeah. And it's funny, like the perspectives, too, because the first thing that crosses your mind is like, oh, you're in a super successful band that it's a minimum, you know, 40K buy-in or whatever to book you guys. And your wife's on season seven of this thing. So in your head, you're like, oh, wow, you guys are rich or whatever. Yeah. But they're not. They're still paying a mortgage in Toronto. Which oh God! It's also not, I mean, surprising in a way because it's Toronto. But still, like you're just sort of like, wow, you know, you guys have this awesome life. But really, like, I'm sure they're comfortable. But at the same time, you're going, well, not across the world, across the country at least, back and forth. You're earning your paycheck, but you also have kids. You're maintaining a life in two different places at least. And so, yeah, like it, it is funny the perspective of what people think success is or what money even is, especially when, yeah, like you just said, you know, maybe you're not working for a certain amount of time. And I think they were lucky enough to avoid a huge huge covid shutdown just because of how small like there was st john's or somewhere you know where i think it was a pretty tight crew kind of thing so they were lucky but even still you're like that is a lot of juggling and just hopping on planes and all that stuff oh yeah and if you live in toronto like did toronto pass vancouver is it the most expensive place in canada now oh i don't know well i can tell you that it certainly seems like it <laughs> like being in there but toronto's bonkers but vancouver is always scary to me because it's i guess so far away and you just feel like it's expensive well i mean it is expensive but like yeah you're aware of that that's kind of the running joke i felt that when i lived there in my college years you look on a map and you're like wow i'm really far away from home <laughs> home is closer to places like london england yeah i think than i was in vancouver yeah and the states is like right there right like is it, is yeah. it seattle that's super close there seattle super close yeah. and you're right on the edge right like victoria is still there but mm -hmm. you're from wherever you're standing, you're outside. You yeah. can kind of see the ocean from much of it. And there is a sense that you're far away. Yeah. <laughs> or far away from east, anyhow. Yeah. No, it's a lot. And well, it was like, uh, empty, you know, like Emily, who was in the Shadowcast, moved there. And that always seemed Oh, yeah. Like, so it's sort of fun to live vicariously through her posts and her life and stuff like that. Because I'm like, I would not have had the guts to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm married and I have an established life here, you know, such as it is. But like, I don't think I would have had the guts to pack everything up and move to Vancouver. It's just big and expensive and i don't want to say scary but i mean i don't know a little bit scary well my brother's there he's here now but heading back to vancouver soon it's funny because this big world small world thing is that mayfair is good friends with the rio theater mm -hmm. and that kind of happened through social media and they were doing some fundraising and we kind of posted about it and by complete coincidence happenstance i was wearing a rio shirt when i was interviewed for the Ottawa Citizen, I think, about Mayfair stuff during lockdown. Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of me standing outside the Mayfair with my arm crossed looking cool. And I got a Rio <laughs> shirt on. And I posted that. I was like, I swear I didn't do this on purpose. <laughs> so it's fun because he's there. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, Kevin Smith's doing a thing at the Rio. Or they've got this cool screening. Or they're doing a burlesque show. So it's fun to be able to say, like, hey, go see that. Mm -hmm. It's this social media as a nice thing. Yeah. Is all these indie cinemas have a connection mm -hmm. and we're able to every once in a while be we have gotten emails or social media things from them being like hey where'd you guys get this movie yeah and we go oh there you go yeah no it's and kind of you know there's that one in toronto as well that the review is that the, what it's yeah, called yeah i think so yeah and they've been playing like similar stuff to us and i've never been there i honestly know basically nothing about it other than that it seems like a toronto mayfair i don't know if that's inaccurate we all do it's very funny like you <laughs> you look at rio in vancouver or review in toronto or us or even down in the states you see stuff that some indie cinema in la or yeah. seattle has it's a lot of the same stuff 
rolls around and then you see little weird fun programming. Mm -hmm. But to segue into what we're screening this week, our three new films this week are No Bears, Tar, and The Menu. And if you look at everybody else right now, those are out there. Yeah. So there is kind of a new release to the indie cinema that we all kind of follow. Mm -hmm. But then you see the little eccentricities of the programming of the programmers yeah. when it's the fun weird stuff or the local stuff the local film festivals the room rocky horror stuff like that but even even the rio has rocky horror with their own shadow cast hmm. so we're on the same boat in that sense as well yeah and i think i want to say we trendsetted the saturday morning cartoons thing i don't know if that's true but... I, I will humble brag that we did <laughs> yeah even if it's not true like this is not live so nobody can call yeah, in what and are you tell do? us we're wrong <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure I heard about that via, it was at some film festivals, mm -hmm. and that we were the first cinema to get it in rotation, okay. and to encourage the programmers to do it more frequently, and now it's at a bunch of places where anytime we screen it that same weekend or two-week weekends, it's playing at half a dozen other places Yeah, around Canada. No, I love that. It's great. It's great to be trendsetters like we surely are. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so this week coming up is the week of Friday, January 19th through Thursday, January, sorry, Friday, January 13th through Thursday, January 19th. You almost blew the best thing. I was going to say you really need to accentuate Friday the 13th and then you didn't even say it at all. So yeah, so let's leave that for now. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get in onto in the new films. <laughs> so No Bears is a exciting new film. This is the one where the filmmaker behind it it's an Iranian film, Ooh. has been in and out of jail for Whoa. a number of years. Because of the movie? Or? Because of being a filmmaker. Okay. And he'll do stuff like sneak out and direct a film. What? And then go back to jail. Why does that seem like something Lee would do? Probably. <laughs> totally off base that he would break out of prison to film <laughs> yeah. a movie and then be like, oh, I'm coming back. And besides for that, which is such an interesting story, it's hugely highly rated. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. Oh, someone's going to ruin that. Yeah, some dummy's <laughs> going to go on and be like, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> well, there weren't any bears. I bet that was misleading. And I think most people think it's the front runner for best... They just changed the title. It's not foreign film anymore. I think it's best international film at the oh. Oscars. Yeah, that, I mean, that does sound better. So anyhow, so that's a big get for us this week. What's it about? Are there bears? Or like, or do I, is that the twist ending? I don't know. I don't think there's bears. Okay. But, uh, well, I mean, they're not lying. <laughs> I haven't seen it. There might be a bear in it. Okay. The so there story, may, may not be bears. The story is two parallel love stories in which the partners are thwarted by hidden obstacles, the force of superstition, and the mechanics of power. So one of the obstacles could be a bear. Could be a bear. We don't know. That would be amazing if they're like, oh, it's this meat cute. And then it, a bear comes out of nowhere <laughs> yeah. and mauls them. Okay. This is not cocaine bear. Yeah, there may or may not be bears in No Bears. I actually, I'm not going to lie. I want to see it a lot more now than I did two yeah. minutes ago when I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> then we have The Menu. Mm. which is an all-star cast. Yeah. I'm kind of avoiding it because I think it has some twists and turns. Yeah. But it's a dark comedy set in a restaurant. I think where Ray Fiennes plays a lunatic Gordon, chef. Gordon Ramsay-ish. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. But maybe a little less yelly, although I don't. I normally don't watch the trailer, but I did watch the trailer for this one because I was trying to convince Emily to watch it or something like that. But yeah. it's been getting rave reviews. What's funny is like, it was playing at TIFF, kind of, I don't know, I think it premiered there, or maybe it was just going around festivals, but a right. friend of mine was there covering movies, 
and I was like, oh, did you? I think there, there may have been a Cage movie playing, or there was something I was curious about. And I was like, oh, did you watch this or this? And he was like, oh, I'm going to see the menu. And I'd never heard of it. And from that moment on, I kept hearing about it, like yeah. literally the next day onward. And I was like, oh my God. And so rave reviews we keep wanting to watch it but we've been waiting so i don't know i'm very intrigued because there's some horror elements that kind of that that's what i keep on hearing that. so i'm like la 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 yeah like, like there has it's not a spoiler or anything but it just it seems like one of those ones where you're sort of like almost like the game maybe where and you're it's like weird because when you first hear about it oh it's anna taylor joy and ray fines and mm-hmm. it's about a restaurant you think it could just that's it yeah but then i read something and again this is not a spoiler but i just read something <laughs> that this would be a movie that Vincent Price could have starred in. That made me go, oh, well, now I Vincent really Price. want to see it. I could see uh, Perkins as well, maybe, yeah. in the, the fines, knowing nothing about this. But I think they... Intriguing. Yeah, I think I think they go to, like, a, an island for the food, if I'm wrong about that. And it's so some, like, super Michelin star restaurant. Yeah, so it's almost like Glass, Glass Onion-ish in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, but nothing like that. So, yeah, I've been hearing great things. This would be a great place to see it. And what's interesting is this is a movie, like so many nowadays, that's out there on quote-unquote TV, on streaming services. But we are in the midst of screening After Sun, which is out there on streaming services or VOD or whatever, and it's doing gangbusters for us. So that's heartening that the old rule of, oh, once it's gone, it's gone, seems to be, at least for us, again, we're not trying to play it on eight screens. We're not trying to sell 500 tickets a night. We can get away with screening these things that are still new films, but because... The world we're in, they go so fast to the small screen that there's still patrons out there who want to see it as the filmmakers want you to see it. That's heartening that people are still coming out for these. And it's up for the BAFTA for Best Picture, I believe it was. There was that, I sent you that link. It was yeah. like the 10 Best Picture. Oh, right. Yeah. And I think, I'm pretty sure we'd shown at least eight of the 10. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, that's cool. And like After Sun, especially, I was like, oh, yeah, we're showing that one right now. So then our third new film this week is Tar, starring Kate Blanchett, mm. directed by Todd Field. This movie is just, by all accounts, is going to be nominated for... Oh, yeah eight Oscars and Kate Blanchett is yeah. the front runner, even though I want Michelle Yeoh to be the front runner. <laughs> true, true. Supposedly Kate Blanchett might be the front runner for this. And it's a seemingly a simple story of a highly acclaimed award-winning conductor from, mm. from an orchestra. And so she's famous and dealing with that. And But the trailer just looks real tense and epic. Yeah, like whiplashy a little bit? I or? think so. I think it's about whatever the conflict is in the movie. It's either about specifically to her and kind of cancel culture around her Mm -hmm. deservedly and her dealing with a big performance and kind of maybe having a slight breakdown and having the media and being famous Uh and it's just Kate Blanchett who's always amazing it's epic though it's like two and a half hours long damn I think she's just on screen for the whole thing. I think Scorsese was just raving about... I think it was him. Or maybe it was Francis Ford Coppola, but I think it was Scorsese. One of those guys. Maybe they both loved it. I don't know. Yeah. Did you... As a side note, did you ever see that movie Grand Piano with Elijah Wood where he's a piano player who's being targeted by like an assassin and he has to keep playing or else he'll shoot him? I don't think I have. It's so good. 2013. The director just has a new movie out and I don't remember what it is. But it was really cool because he has to keep playing. But as he's playing, he'll have his cell phone with his other hand and he's trying to like text someone to be like, there's a a gunner on me kind of thing. But he's like playing at this big symphony orchestra kind of thing. And he's trying to like alert people without telling them or else he'll get shot kind of thing. Yeah. 
cool movie. Not, you know, very like tacitly to do with what you were just talking about, but just it reminded me. I was like, yeah, yeah. Big concert, gunman. On is the- it real time? Yeah, it is. That's cool. what makes it even cooler. So it's like a 90 minute or a Got little it. bit less, the Josh special, you know? So Gotta find that. Highly recommended. So then we have the Steve McQueen classic oh. bullet which people seem really excited about which is fun yeah and you know it's bullet it's steve mcqueen if you're not familiar arguably many people say it's the greatest most bonkers car chase of all time absolutely especially because it was 1968 and you know not as safe as things are now <laughs> when you're filming a movie isn't it 30 or 40 minutes of just the chase too like yeah and you know no cg no anything like that and there's some stuff you just flinch at where you're just like, oh my God, I hope that stunt driver didn't just break his spine oh, doing man. that. Yeah, there's so, even in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, there's one where the car narrowly misses the guy by like two oh, inches. And you're like, wow, you almost lost your life for this movie. <laughs> there's a scene in Dick Tracy where a car explodes. And because the director, Warren Beatty, is a lunatic, <laughs> he was in the scene versus a stunt oh, performer. Not that geez. the stunt performer's life is worth anything less wow but the car door blew off unexpectedly <laughs> oh my God. and in the movie you see the car door fly past dick tracy yeah and i don't know if getting hit with a car door like that would kill you mm. but it wouldn't have been good no and so that's one of those things where it's only an interesting story because it didn't kill warren Beatty. jeez <laughs> But, I, I, yeah. Now I want to see that scene again. You watch it and you go, oh, God. <laughs> if you know you're looking for it. If not, you think, oh, movie magic. Holy hell. Yeah, that sounds awful. So then, as I fumbled on before, we have Friday the 13th coming up. And we are continuing our epic six-year festival Man. with part five. Huge. A new beginning. So good. And this is, as we said before, the Halloween 3 of the series where, you know, some people complain that it's not exactly like the others or it's... I don't know. Like, the thing is, I mean, they're all fairly similar at the end of the day. Masked guy stabbing people, you know. But this one, I'm going to bat for this one. This one is very underrated. It's one of those things, like we said before, you know, if you had just gone in with no preconceived notions and you're just like, oh, slasher movie, it's fun. It gives you everything you want. You know, I don't know. I understand the complaints, but I do think this is one of those ones that's kind of getting a better reputation over the years. For sure. Same with Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. It's fun. When we played that a couple years back, people were loving it. It might have got a standing ovation. I'm going to say it did. I don't know if it actually did. But yeah, like I think as the years go by on these movies and maybe as we get crappier in between ones, you know, you're sort of like, hey, maybe that wasn't that bad. So I really think I'm predicting this will play well here. Even if it doesn't, you know, we're moving on to the sixth one, which is the best one anyways. But yeah. Yeah, I (laughs) sent you a message as I was sitting at home on my couch working on the poster for this. We do these little in-house posters that are square so they look good on instagram Mm. and they look good on the big screen and it's just the poster and then to the right is just some reviews and i said oh boy i'm having hard trouble finding good (laughs) reviews for this one but as i dug you do find some horror blogs and magazines where they say what you just said like i'm going to bat for this yeah and they say what they like about it and it really does fall under the category of our beloved ryan johnson the last jedi Mm -hmm. of You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if that movie had been Han and Luke, Han had survived, Han and Luke having an adventure, everyone's happy, somebody would have went, oh, it's just the same thing. But instead it was very different. And this Jason movie is different. And you almost don't want to talk about it too much in case there could be some youngins going into this for the first time. But the complaints came out of, this isn't the Jason movie I wanted. Yeah. And it's so funny to think way back in 85, the proto- Twitter troll 
movie jerks were still there. Yeah. And the exact same complaints of this isn't exactly what I wanted, so it's not good. Yeah, and it's funny that it's only three years after Halloween 3. Yeah. So, I mean, in production, probably two years. And you're just, the whiff of that must have happened pretty quick. Like, I'd say opening weekend, you're just sort of like, Ugh. Yeah. And, and so, and I mean, like I said, you know, to me, 6 is the best one. That's when they kind of embraced the sort of lunacy of you can't really kill Jason. <laughs> yeah, it really went from, I mean, even, I mean, the very first one has some hints of supernatural aspect to it. Sure. But you could just watch them of, yeah, it's a big guy in a hockey mask killing kids yeah but then it went full-blown <laughs> carry supernatural yeah. hell he went into outer space yeah. you know like it went all the way but these earlier ones the harsh reality is whether you like it or not it did well enough and made part six yeah because that's all they cared about with these movies these movies were not i'm trying to think like you know say harry potter they were like we have this many books we want to make this many movies mm -hmm. This was like, oh, that made money. Let's make another one. Yeah. Yeah. And you sort of, and you're trying to like straddle the line between four being the final chapter, which is and, hilarious. And then a new beginning, you're like, okay, what does that even mean? And then Jason lives, and you're like, okay, well, what's even going on here? <laughs> yeah. But like, no, I mean, as a fun side note, so yeah, my, yeah, my best friend sells toys for a living, basically. Like he works for this big toy company. So cool. Toys to rich nerds, basically. And one of the guys he sold toys to is in Friday the 13th 5. Whoa. And so, yeah. So it's a Reggie, uh, who has a great scene. He's the guy that. That's uh, in the outhouse where, you know, the, his girlfriend keeps messing with him and is, is like pretending to knock over the outhouse while he's inside of it. And then maybe he gets killed by Jason. Maybe he doesn't. You don't know. Who knows? But it's sort of funny because he was like, oh, I sold toys to Reggie. And it's one of those things where it's like to most people that means nothing. But to me, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so so this is the fifth one. The last one of now I'm like, what are we going to do in 2027? I know that's a long <laughs> way away. Well, there, there's hopefully will be another one by then. Well, that, that's mean. the thing. Is our festival going to end before there's another friday the 13th because they seem to be tiptoeing back to it now they're doing the tv show right but it would be so hilarious if one happens in 2026 or 2027 and then we get to continue the festival god well that's so far away like i know I'm like I know. If, if it if they don't have one in the next three or four years i'll be pretty mad well but when was the reboot 2009 2009 see yeah. that's a long way away yeah yeah so and i saw that one in theaters and i was like okay this is just the first four <laughs> movies in one movie and it's fine and then we have a saturday night cinema ah. our free for members members only secret late late show presentation if you're coming to see Bullet on Saturday night, if you're listening to this podcast as we post it, you can come see Saturday Night Cinema afterwards if nice. you're a member. So buy a membership card, come see Bullet, and then you get a free movie afterwards. I was wondering what what the... I always like to know what the pre-movie is, yeah. you know, for a good double bill. I'm doing cinema next time in two weeks, I guess. And it's actually the Enter the Drag Dragon is playing before oh my cinema, God. which is pretty sweet because I'll be like, oh, hey, you might remember me from that movie <laughs> that was just, on, you know, that one bit, unless you got popcorn during my minute long scene or whatever. I don't want to, because, you know, we never spoil cinema, <laughs> but you should play your Christmas movie just being totally oh God. like selfish delusions of grandeur and being like, it's a me double bill. Yeah. For that. Or at least that my one clip that I'm in, you know, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, Lee would never let it because I don't have it on Blu-ray. And, <laughs> and oh, that's the other funny thing. Whenever he asked me to do cinema, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play this every single time. He's like, would you have it on Blu-ray? Yeah. Like, literally every time. And I'm like, I know that you want Blu-ray only. Like, I literally know that's part of the request. Yeah. And he's like, because his version is, it's not worth people coming out for standard definition. Yeah. Which is funny to me because I see what you're saying. But I also think it is funny, like, if you were watching a crappy version on screen. This is my 13th cinema. I'm Whoa. like, like the other 12 times over the last 
four years, whatever. Yes, I have the Blu-ray. <laughs> so, Lucky 13. I know. And I've got six in the chamber just in case. I've been like holding on to ones just in case because it's, it's hard, you know. Just keep playing and be like, okay. Every we're, time. We're doing six movies tonight. <laughs> oh, man. I'll just play Drag Dragon again. I'm like, we, ah, yeah, if you didn't see that last one, I'm in this too. We just got to get out of here before 10 o'clock for the church tomorrow morning. It's true. Yeah. No, that's a very important thing. But yeah, I don't know what he's going to play, but you know, I'm going to try to make it out. I, I got a friend of mine come. Actually, the friend of the Barrymore's owner is coming out to the cinema this oh, weekend. Cool. So well, we'll see. At least that guy will be there. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, we'll have another one at the end of January. We're not going to do this all the time, but just the way it fell this month. We don't have Rocky Horror. I think basically because the Shadowcast didn't want to do it. They were tired. Yeah, well, it's a lot. I mean, Sam's had a hell of a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, So, but we have two cinemas and a room coming mm. up as our Late Late Shows. And then I think in February we will have a Valentine-ish Rocky Horror. Right. I don't know where Valentine's falls this year, but I don't know. that'll be back next month. But yeah, so that is our screening for our Friday the 13th, Ooh. 2023. Huge. This is great. Last week we did a bit of an earlier podcast. Yeah. Kind of tripped over a snowbank and fell face down in the street up front. You're lucky uh, to be alive. Oh my God. And I still think about it. I jumped over a snowbank a week later and <laughs> it was like my life flashed before my eyes. I totally landed at that time. It was perfectly fine. But yeah, the worst part was we usually get pizza and watch a movie. And I thought the pizza place was open. And so I tripped, fell in the street and then checked online and it was not open. It was too early. So I literally, I fell for no reason in front of someone. And it was just like, oh, my pride. (laughs) You're like, pizza, why? It would have been worth it for pizza, but for nothing, not worth it. Not worth it. So you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Today we'll get pizza. Sigh. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find information about upcoming stuff at mayfairtheater.ca and on the social medias. And we'll be back soon with information about a bunch of more cool movies playing at the Mayfair as we soldier on through 2023. The slow plight <laughs> of the movie people. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, and yes, the new Cage Western, The Old Way, is coming out soon. And yes, I've already spoken to Lee. So no, I'm not guaranteeing it, but, uh, you know, fingers crossed. It must happen. E- If the memory of Jason still haunts you, you're not alone. Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Severe trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him. The mindless, murderous, Fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Pete. And suddenly, terror has become child's play. Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. 